I wonder if I was to ask you, who are you? How you would answer that question? Often we answer it by repeating the things that the person in front of us in the queue says. If we go around the group and we say, who are you? If the first person says, I'm Stuart, I'm a husband, a father, my job is this, my interests are that, then we simply repeat. But is that all that we are? Is that our true identity? A collection of relationships, a job, what we do, the things we have, I'm not sure it is, and I'm not sure that Jesus thinks it is either. Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. It's my pleasure to welcome you from wherever you find yourself today. We're glad that you have found your way here and that you've chosen to spend this time with us. You can find out more about who we are and what we do on our website at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you, so if you're watching on video, then please leave a comment. Tell us who you are and where you're from. If you find this a useful time, then please like and subscribe so that you don't miss anything else. But most of all, if you do find it useful or interesting or inspiring or challenging, then share it with your friends. Tell them about the good news of Jesus too. So let's listen to our first reading. We're going to hear from Paul's letter to the Galatians. We read at chapter 3 and verse 23. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And we read from the Gospel of Luke at chapter 12, starting at verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate, God made them high and lowly and ordered their estate. That's a verse from the hymn All Things Bright and Beautiful that thankfully we don't sing anymore. At least on the surface, it offends our sense of fairness and equality. But I wonder how much we realise how completely this way of thinking is ingrained in our view of the world. 
Luke's world is one where faith is urgent. Across the empire, following Jesus is literally a matter of life and death. Being a Christian is a revolutionary act. Being a Christian is declaring that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Being a Christian is choosing to live in a different way. Being a Christian means stepping outside of what's expected and even imposed by the empire and saying that there's a different way to live, a better way, that there's a new kind of kingdom that's possible and we want to make that a reality for everyone. But that was all a long time ago. The Roman Empire fell in the West in 476 and held on just long enough for Constantine to conveniently convert to Christianity and so doing made the made Christianity the default religion for the whole of the empire. But why? Why did, why did he do that? Why would someone who occupied the position of a god as emperor want to throw that away? Scholars argue about why he did it, why he favoured Christianity. His mother was a follower of Jesus, so it could just be like many of us. He grew up in a household where that was the faith, and so he continued it. Others argue that Christianity was easily applied to keep the empire under his control. The church had become very powerful, politically as well as spiritually. The church even had an army. And we see across Europe that the church and the state were indistinguishable. The Church of England is still a state church. It exerts some political power. It has bishops and seats in the House of Lords. Their power is really now quite limited, but in the past, bishops wielded immense power. It's still the church who crowned the monarch. Whatever the reason for Constantine making Christianity the state religion, it changed what Christianity was. It went from being something that was completely countercultural, a way of living that was opposite to what people were told was important, to something that supported the rulers. It supported the system and everything that comes with that. Christianity played a huge part in reinforcing the power of the ruling classes and the role of capitalism as our preferred economic story. The idea of freedom that we see Jesus talking about has been hijacked to mean the freedom to buy stuff, freedom to create our own identity. And we do. We carefully curate what we wear and how we present ourselves to the world. And yet, if I was to ask, who are you? Who are you really? I'm not sure we would know even where to begin. Are we the sum of our purchases? The job that we do? The things that have happened to us? Eugene Peterson, an American pastor who wrote The Message, a a modern paraphrase of the Bible, he wrote a series of letters to his son Eric, who's also a pastor. In them, Eugene suggests that we categorise people in three ways, as consumers, resources and victims. That's consumers, resources and victims. Consumers are people we can sell something to. Resources are people who can do something for us. People who can be used to our advantage. Victims are people who need some kind of assistance because they're in a position that limits their consumption or their ability to be a resource, or both. We can all be all of those things. But in each interaction that we have with each other, we become at least one of these. And the church absolutely plays along with this view of the world. You, at this very moment, are consumers. You're consuming this sermon. As consumers, you could choose to go somewhere else or watch a different video or listen to a different podcast. 
St Ninian's has a range of products to suit different people. You can consume our content in whatever way suits you. Or you could go to another church or consume different content. You're also resources. You give money to keep the show on the road. You make a judgment about how valuable this whole thing is to you and you put some money in and that represents that value. One of the uncomfortable realities of how the church used to work was that the offering bag was passed after the sermon. The preacher had a couple of tactics to increase the takings, inspire people or make them feel guilty. And guilt always worked better. You give time and energy to both raise funds and to help people. But I'm not sure it would be much of a surprise to realise that we spend way more time on raising money than we do on helping people. Why? Because victims are costly. They need our help and that takes time and money. Just look at how much we spend on healthcare. From our point of view as a church, we make a calculation. If our investment of time and money isn't going to result in consumers or resources, then why should we bother? If church looks like getting people here on a Sunday morning or getting people to watch a video, then that's what we count. We, we count people who come or who click on YouTube. And we especially like people who share and like our content. But we're not going to put effort into people who aren't going to do that. I think I can say with some level of confidence that Jesus didn't want us to be consumers or resources or victims. Eugene Peterson suggests to his son that when he realised this and realised that that's what was happening in his church, he decided that he had to see people differently. He saw them as souls and that transformed everything. It's that view of the world that's at the heart of the gospel. We are each souls, children of God, not economic units. There's a real urgency in this passage today. The master is coming home and we don't know exactly when that will happen. So we need to be constantly alert, always ready. We wouldn't want to be caught napping or worse, miss out altogether. So be dressed, ready for action, keep your lamp lit, pay attention. I think this way of thinking, this urgency is perhaps one of the hardest things for us to imagine ourselves into. It's been drained from us. There, there's no real hurry. No need to change just yet. Let's just keep things as they are. Why upset everything? We know who we are in the system. It's how things are supposed to be. The rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate. God made them high and lowly and ordered their estate. And who are we to argue with that, right? We're just frightened sheep. What can we do? We're just slaves waiting for instruction. And yet, we're told that even though we are frightened sheep, we're also heirs to the kingdom. We might be slaves, but when the master returns, he will serve the slaves and we will feast. We are the keepers of the treasure. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul writes that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you're all one in Jesus Christ. Perhaps now he could write there's neither consumer nor resource nor victim. We have one identity. And it's not an identity we need to pray for and we don't have to work for it. And even in our greatest need, we are never a burden. We are children of God. We're loved beyond measure. Forgiven for all our wrongs. Precious. Precious to God who gave everything for us. We are the inheritors 
of the kingdom. Our job is to live into that kingdom, to be awake to it and to the prompting of Jesus in our lives, to be vigilant against the claims of the world slipping in and taking root in our hearts, to treat each other as precious souls, not as units of production. That's our identity. That's who we are. No matter what anyone says, no matter where we find ourselves, we are children of God. Jesus 
Lord, we pray for all those places in the world where your people live in fear. May your words do not be afraid, accompany them, not as some kind of, of row to be given, but as an anchor of hope. May they see signs that assure them of your presence and your love in the middle of their struggle. And we who have more than we need. May we hear your words, do not be afraid, as a challenge to, to use all that we have, all that you've given us to bring peace, to bring healing, to spread love throughout the world. May we also be prepared to challenge all that traps people in poverty, all that deems some lives less than and all that seeks to limit and restrict the abundant resources of the earth. May we not be afraid in our relentless pursuit of justice until all of creation is restored to beauty and all of your people dwell in peace and plenty. May we never give up the hope that your will will indeed be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God, great shepherd, our guardian and our guide, may we always be ready to receive you. May we feast at your banqueting table. May we know the comfort of your love and may it drive away our fears. As we are blessed, so may we be a blessing to our world, to our neighbours and to each other. i